Episode 13, Daddy Issues. Welcome to episode number 13 of the Adventures in Lollygagging podcast. 13, one might call it a baker's dozen, right? Right? Oh, Jeff Baker. Yeah. Well, dude, wow. you're not supposed to say my whole name. <laughs> oh, gosh, darn it. I don't want. It's over. We got to restart. It's over. That's fine. Long Lee. Ooh. Yeah. There you go. He's already been tagged. He's a professional man now. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, we were talking about my facial hair. I feel like that's probably not something we should put on air. Uh, so instead, what we're going to talk about at the beginning here is this thing called dooming. Uh, so Zweihander has a feature as part of character creation. When you do that big old long random rolling stuff that we really enjoyed, or at least I did. I don't really care about if they enjoyed it. Uh, but one of them is called a dooming. And so the premise is that around 10 years of age, uh, a character or person is... And meets with some kind of fortune teller of some kind who reads their future and the dooming is there to tell them how they're going to die. Now, mechanically speaking, there's no like statistic that's associated with this. This is more just the idea of, of, of storytelling wrapping into the narrative in some way. Maybe your fears or your confusion when certain imagery that might associate with your dooming starts to crop up. Maybe you guys do something. So, uh, but there are four different seasons, and there's a different list of doomings for each season. And so uh, just really quickly, I was just going to say, let's go around really fast. Uh, Keith is not with us again for this episode. Um, his, I can't remember which season it was, but I do know that his was The Abyss Stares Back. And so dooming is just kind of a quote, and you can interpret it however you want, but it's somehow related to how you're going to die. And so it's The Abyss, capital A, stares back with him, I feel like. It's going to something to do with abyss, something to do with, with chaos, something like that, demonic manifestations, etc. So I think next I'm going to go, I'm going to ask good old Bear, what was, what's your dooming? All right. My dooming for Bear is the eye of the storm is just a reprieve. Yeah. So clearly I'm going to die with a lot of money in my hand. Wait. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't, I don't interpret it the same way, but okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't think the same. What season were you? Uh, summer. Summer. Okay, the eye of the storm. Now, the storm Man, could you be... you should have been scared when we were on the boat. I know. I feel like, yeah, I feel like maybe. But there wasn't really a whole... You guys really haven't faced a storm yet. We it's had some, some raining, but we haven't really had a storm. But it doesn't actually... It could just be metaphorical, too. Mm-hmm. Well, the characters do actually know about the dooming thing. Yeah, like you're oh, told yeah. that. Yeah, so, so honestly, like if you think about it, if there's a situation that happens in the game that might in some way speak to that dooming that probably is something you could play up and role play where like bear freaks out now we've already done the freak out thing for you with the mask but that's more of like a backstory thing as opposed to the dooming specifically but yeah it's something you could potentially do like obviously i'll be looking for ways i can weave in some little elements here and there some imagery some character some npcs that might you know speak to it get you all freaked out that your characters are going to die soon <laughs> that, that kind of stuff but all right, so Irwin, how about you go next? Uh, mine was Summer, and they will come as twins and leave as triplets. Okay, Summer, come as twins, leave as triplets. How do you uh, how do you interpret that? 
I'm going to see something come as two and then it's going to like leave as three. And okay. then that, something's bad. It's going to happen after that. Okay. Changelings. Something like that. So like two people come and then three, they leave together as three people or something like that. Uh, all right. Who's next? Zofia, what do you got? I'm curious to see how he dies from that. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it's just like two things show up and he's thinking he could take them and all of a sudden the third shows up and now he's screwed. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways. Again, it can all just be metaphorical too. It doesn't have to be, we don't have to interpret these things literally. He gets chopped in half. That's what it means. Oh, you could be bifurcated like Disney did to that Mandalorian person. Okay, go ahead, Sophia. Sophia was born in autumn, and her dooming is do not fold, always stay. Do not fold, always stay. Okay, so you're like pushing your luck too much kind of thing. Okay, I think that was probably the easiest one to interpret so far. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Emily? I was born in autumn, and my dooming is I will die in a pool of blood, but it will not be mine. <gasps> wow. Wow. So you're going to murder somebody, and then you're going to die. Maybe. Or Without which. bleeding. Maybe yeah. you're drowned in a vat of blood. Yeah. Could just be, maybe it's super literal. Or a pool of blood. Yeah. Lots of things. A lake. Anyways. Okay. Well, there's a lake. I know. There is a lake. There's an island with like sick people. Maybe you're going to drown in sick people blood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, last but not least, Chovy. What are you doing? I got summer, and mine is respect power for it does not respect you. Hmm. It's interesting. And I think my uncle's going to die because I didn't stop a thief from running away for the cash. Did you just do like, are you a Spider Man origin story? (laughs) Yeah. No. Is your uncle's name Ben? Is that what's going on? That's Benny. Okay. Well, I hear that Tom Holland can't be. Spider-Man anymore, so they're probably looking for someone new. There you go. It's perfect. If you were to cast an actor in the role of Chovy, would it be Tom Holland? Yeah. 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 Well, now it will be. He's, he's looking for work, apparently. So he needs a role. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. I think it's time we actually get started. So where are we? And what's what, what What did we learn last episode? What's new? Let's make this fast. Let's, let's hit the highlights. We're terrible people. Okay. Let's hit the highlights. <laughs> Um, so we found a girl and we abandoned her and then, uh, went back to town. Yeah. So you're at the Pearson farm doing a favor for Loudon who had been keeping you guys, uh, who gave you guys a place to stay for the night. Yes. Uh, delivering some sundries and you, and you, while there you found like this, this emaciated girl stumbled out of the, what was interesting about her by the way? She had like a almost like calcified uh, arm that was like in a point yeah it was almost like a like a calcified flipper kind yeah. of thing going on yeah yeah and then okay. um she had passed out and we had her in our, our cart and as we were taking her to town we were being pursued by another small we didn't determine if it was like a boy or girl or a yeah. creature definitely small I'm assuming it yeah. was a kid though it's a decent assumption uh, and throwing rocks and hitting us a couple times, dude. A lot. Near, quite nearly killing Sophia, who yes. needed the benefit of fortune points. How uh, many fortune points was it? I think it was, I think two, it was like three, two, two. Was two? two, yeah. two. Okay, if not, then Sophia, who survived sirens, who yep. survived rats, a swarm, a swarm of rats, and a barn fire, would die to some random rock throwing vagrant <laughs> kid. Um, yeah, who knows? <laughs> okay, so you you left the girl. And then you came back to came back to Verdum, got Sophia some health, 
Yep. And then a few of you spoke with Loudon and learned some interesting things. What did you learn from Loudon? A lot, actually. We got one of a new clue. Yeah, for I got our a new board. clue. Yeah, it's, that's dose. We've got two. That's dose. It was a letter that we assumed that Gabriel was writing or yeah. in the process. It was unsigned, unsigned, so we don't know for sure. Undated. Yeah, yeah. But um, saying that Madeline was really angry with everybody who's involved um, with the attempted revolt that they were trying to do. Yeah, there was a, yeah, whatever, whatever they were in jail for. Yeah. yeah. Whatever they were in, well, not jail, but whatever they were at the colony for. Yeah. yeah. Kind okay. of references that terrible illegal book. Yeah. Yes. So part of, part of his belongings was this banned book, uh, The Endless Rain by, I think it was Emery Downs. Was yes. The name of the, uh, the, the author, which some of you, you, I was, you actually recognized Irwin, but you, you knew it to be banned. You didn't really know a whole lot more about it. You, yeah. do, you knew that it was, it was basically referencing the the a call for the takedown of this monarchy right mm-hmm. and that the, the the grand monarch is just a figurehead and the real power is like possessed by the halls which is like the congress so to speak okay cool you ready yeah. to start then yes so the last scene then you came to pick up zofia and bruno who had been at uh at doc quali's clinic because zofia needed to get uh, get some health uh, Bruno was taking this opportunity to check in also on Cressida, who apparently hasn't been doing well since her surgery. And he was learning a thing or two, perhaps, about some healing. Uh, Finally. From a mechanical perspective, <laughs> I think this, this is this is us giving Bruno a reason to gain the heal skill, uh, which is desperately needed in this group. Uh, so as you were there, you walked up behind uh, the, the boy that was living with her Chadwick. Mm-hmm. And as you were looking over his shoulder, Emily, you saw some really disturbing imagery of some kind of just horrible soldier type person with horn, like a horned helm and spikes coming out of shoulders with heads impaled on them. And you now, and it, again, it was drawn by a kid. So it's not like, like this perfect, wonderful drawing. Mm-hmm. And then he just looked up at you with this beautiful toothless grin because he's a little kid who's going through a toothing phase and you notice he had some weird split tongue yep. and then he went right back to drawing and that's exactly where we're going to start so it is early in the morning it is not yet noon all of you are once again together you're in this clinic with this woman who is not particularly happy with a lot of you uh as referenced by her conversation with Sophia, where she was a little bit put off by the fact that you all weren't willing to actually help a child when she herself in passing noted that she found Chadwick and Chadwick bit her all the way back, but she still did the right thing. And so she was actually surprised, especially considering how gracious Irwin was uh, the day before on the, on the dock. So what do you all want to do? I don't know that that happened because I wasn't here. So I'm going to go up to her and thank her for her assistance. Okay. Yeah. And still, she'll coolly thank you. I mean, and not not a very warm, not rudely. Yeah. She'll just very professionally, like not friendly, not angrily. That's it. Do you feeling up to leaving? I am better than I was yesterday. I should probably not put myself between any more rocks or other types of harm for a little bit longer. Well, I mean, it's not been intentional so far. The Where rocks was. I did put myself in front of some rocks. Yep. That yeah, was you did. probably a bad choice. It felt like there were clues that anybody who was going near the kid who was getting attacked, basically. Yeah. It was more of an RP moment of like, no, it really made sense. I really wanted to kill you right there. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I just thought that'd be hilarious if that's how you died. Uh, okay. Pushing your luck. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Very okay. True. Oh, it was perfect. 
Mm. Can we retcon and make her dead? No. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so you say your goodbyes. You say thank you uh, to Doc Quelle. Bruno comes along. He's like, oh, hey, guys, I know how to bandage stuff now. And so uh, what do you all want to do? Uh, Loudon, give us a contact of Zelda. It's yeah. the lumber Gabriel knew. Yep. That is correct. Um Zelda Brandenburg was her name, described as a monster of a woman, but he said he said that in a complimentary fashion. Uh, okay. I assume she's super strong. Uh, okay, so if you ask around town for a little bit uh, to try to get some directions, uh, you eventually are directed over to a very familiar place, strangely enough, despite being in a place way away from where you've ever lived, to a PHC Outpost, Plumhawk Trading Company, your old your old company that you worked for when you guys were in Vice Haven for a very long time. And it it's definitely not the same. It's not a it's not built on the docks. This one's built into the northern side, the northwestern side of town. Uh, and you can see that it looks to be about two or three buildings, like two buildings and then kind of like a shack of decent size, but it's not you know, they're not Everything's a little bit run down to some degree. Did not, does not have nearly the amount of people who like the the day workers that uh, come looking for for something to do, like you saw quite frequently in Vicehaven. There's not some huge crowd here. Uh, this definitely doesn't look to be as developed as the PHC back in Vicehaven. Uh, but there, there is a large door, got a little sign over top of it. You see the familiar Plumhawk Trading Company logo. You see PHC underneath it, uh, and uh, you go inside. There's room enough for probably three of you to stand comfortably by the the front counter, uh, which is more like a very large desk with with a stool. Uh, you do a little ring of the bell, and eventually you see a woman of a significant height. Uh, only Bear is probably taller than her. She's got to be at least 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, uh, definitely in her middling years, uh, you can see some scars on her face, on her arms. She's got this graying hair, kind of gray-brown, super muscular. Uh, and she seems fit as a fiddle and hard as can be. And the, I, the idea of describing her as a monster of a woman seems to, as in a complimentary way, kind of clicks uh, as you look. So a couple of you are standing comfortably. I guess a few of you are probably, we'll say Bruno and whoever else, can can wait back and look, look after the cart. Uh, so Sophia and Bruno will be waiting out there. Uh, but when she sees you all wander up, she uh, looks around, takes stock of what she sees, uh, is kind of surprised to to, to be a, a non-ogre that she has to look up to. And she says, can I help you? Morning. Uh, are you Zelda? I am. Hey, Loudon directed towards, towards you, and uh, we're hoping you knew Gabriel, but... Zyger. What about him? Yes, we're looking for any evidence of where he's been or what he, he's up to. He's dead. Did you find a body? No, don't need one. Do you know how it happened? They found something out there in the woods and wandered off a bit further than they should have. And a few of them suffered the ultimate price, I'm sure. He went in there with others or by himself? There was 20 on the crew. Pretty standard. How many came back? 12. I think. Where did they go where they weren't supposed to go? It was a grove up a, up a ways in the shadow of the Fell Rock. Damn monarchy pushed us out of the 
out of the island would grow, so we pushed a little further, see if we can find another one before they get to it, and lo and behold, we did, and set up, started setting up shop, and one night, Gabriel and Ralston just wandered off, and a few others went looking for them, and none of them ever came back. Were they close? Could they have, like, gone off maybe for a reason? From what I was told, they, uh, had already sheltered down for the night and had their food and their campfire going. No reason to wander off at that point. Hmm. Was he with any of the people that got sent to this location at the same time? Like in his little group of traders people? Uh, no, I don't... I don't think it was only his, as far as I know, it was only him and his sister from that group that made it here. The rest of them got the noose. So he's had a he had a buddy, Ralston, but uh, two of them were thick as thieves. But uh, we found his body, so those two never went anywhere without the other, especially on the cruise. So. We found the one body, we just assumed the other, sadly, probably something foul happened to it. I don't mean to be indelicate, but there's more than a dozen different kinds of beasts out there that could have gnawed away at a, at a human body. So he was mauled? Well, I, I can't say for certain about Gabriel, I mean, we, but I assume. Uh, was Roston mauled? Um... I don't know if I recall ever looking at the body myself, but they were they were attacked by something uh, that that I know. Okay. His head wounds. And you said you found uh, his body at that grove that you guys found by the Fell Rock. No, it was further north. Further north, okay. Yeah, we found Rolston, and it's about a week after they went missing. How long ago was all this? couple months it was all in the report so. there's a report he was a employee of the company we had to file a report would we be able to get a copy of that report to give to his father who are you just master Zeiger uh, Gabriel's father hired us to come um, track Gabriel down in some sort of official capacity yes I would say that you would want his representatives to contact local outfit, and they could probably forward over the proper documentation. Okay. There's liability here that we have yeah, to I concern understand. ourselves with. Of the twelve people that survived, are they still working here? Yeah. Is there somebody in charge of that team that we could speak to, like when they're out on the field? Um, like a like a foreman or something? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I mean, they're all scattered. We don't. Not everyone's on the same teams all the time. Um, can check with uh, Albury Hog. She's a big ogre of a woman. Is she in town right now, or is she on a mission? No, she's or... on a job. Okay. We gotta get what we can before the old crown comes over and takes over. All right then. Well, Are you all looking for work or something? Can you use a big lad like this one? She points over at Bear. <laughs> we could. I had a lot of practice uh, 
in this field. Swing maybe an axe later. before? Oh, yes. Thought, thought Many so. a time. Thought I smelt the pine on you. But you're tired of this lot. Come see me. Got a got room for a good worker. That's what I hear. I'll right. Keep that in mind. She seems pretty matter-of-fact. Straightforward. Yeah. Not beating around the bush. Could you give us some directions towards the grove? Oh, God. Um... I mean, it's, we don't got a map or anything, but are you familiar with the woods? Not particularly, no. It's, I mean, sending you out there like that, I wouldn't feel comfortable just telling you, make a left here, make a right here, make a U-turn when you see the Arby's. I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, probably best if you headed out that way with someone, but if you Head into the head into the woods. Skirt along the foothills a bit. You'll see. Go past Merlin's hut, and uh, she might be able to direct you the rest of the way. All right. Well, thank you for your help. We appreciate it. It's fine. So I'm sorry about your friend, but oh, he's not a friend. We have no idea who he is. You have no. She just said you were hard, but. Are you, are you trying to pull one over on me? Oh, no, no, like strangers. We've never met him. We just hired to find him. I think he misunderstands things sometimes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I do have one more question. Have you ever yeah. uh, met Gabriel's sister, Madeline? Can I say? No. no. Okay. No. No reason to. Gotcha. I understand. I wasn't friends with the boar or anything, but he was a perfectly good worker. Awesome. Is there anyone left that was close to them? I mean, he only really had the one friend I know of. Well, he's dead. And then, uh, other than that, kind of kept to himself. I like it about him. Didn't pry. It's not that people didn't like him. It's just that just never really saw the need to get too close with people. But um, there was a... There was this one, one lady. Um, I think her name was. Hang on, let me check me books. And so she pulls out, kind of flips through. That's it. That's right, Hema. I think the two of them might have had a thing, but not really sure. Uh, is Hema in town? No, she's on the crew. She's on the crew that's out right now. Yep. Okay. Sorry, did you say when they would be back? Did not do back for another week. At least okay. week to ten days, somewhere around there. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Sure. No problem. And I mean it when I said I could always use a good worker. And I don't want you wandering over. They get enough of that free labor. We don't need all the good ones over here. I'll pay you a fair wage. And then she uh, she tidies up her desk and then seems to go back to work. All right. What time of day is it now? We didn't take that long, so it's still no, early I mean, morning. You, I would say it's probably, it's it's probably between going and and getting them from, you know, it's breakfast. You, you hit the dock. You went and talked with her. I mean, it's probably noonish. I would mm-hmm. say, or probably just all of that. Probably took maybe two hours. Is the boat still at the dock? So you head over to the to the edge and you look down and yeah, the ferry's still here. Wonder what happened with all those crates that were on there. Did you want to find out? Yeah, a little bit. A little worried if those were coming in here. They are what they think we were. Or wait, 
I messed up my words. I mean, I would prefer to go to speak to Madeline and try and get back on the ship again and see if the crates are still there. But what what do you guys want to do? Because we have about a week until Aubrey's back from the team and as well as Hema. So, so Aubrey was like the four woman yes. one in charge. And then yeah. Hema was just someone that maybe was speculation his, might yeah. have had a thing going on. Right. I don't really want to wander into those woods without any direction. Yeah, no, definitely Sounds not. like a bad idea. That's Perhaps. not the Josh I know. Perhaps <laughs> we could find someone in our travels that knows the woods a little bit. Yes, let's go find this Madeline that we've all spoken about. The sister? Yes, this is a wench that we've heard. Whoa. Jeez, the anger, this guy over here. She read that letter, you know? Yes. All right, so you guys are going to head out of town again? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Going to hop back into the car. Are you going to walk or are you going to be on the cart there, Sophia? Gonna... I'll alternate. I'll walk when I can. And okay. Rest All right. When I need and you're to. at moderately wounded? Yes. Okay. So that's that's third. So you're two down. Correct. Okay. Bruno's with us as well. Yep. Yeah. He's just he's eating a sandwich. Can't really talk right now. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. it's, a foot long. it's like a it's like a thing with me every time uh like i used to do this whatever josh's character or, or uh couldn't make in our D campaign he would just always be eating all the time what was it a chicken it was a chicken leg. Chicken, leg. chicken leg yeah i always had every time i looked over like i asked him ask alvin a question like alvin was just eating a chicken leg every time <laughs> every single time josh you have no idea you, your character put on so many pounds because of me oh my gosh it's ridiculous he's walking around by the end of it oh, it's terrible it's cholesterol so high you had to roll him around yeah okay so you head back out through the gates uh it is a slightly overcast day but it's not raining uh it is pretty cool though it's getting to that point the year where we're about to turn probably from autumn to winter it's pretty close you would imagine sometime in the next couple of weeks it's probably going to be when the major turn is going to be uh, at least that's what some of the locals have mentioned that's what the ferry masters said uh, but you hop back onto the road and you travel most of the way without any real issue when you pass by the pearson farm uh, you do not notice any activity. Uh, the smoldering ruins of the barn seem to have, have ended. You don't see any people throwing rocks at you. You don't see any signs of anyone there, no signs of recent movement of a cart or anything like that, pulling off the road, up their driveway, nothing of any kind. Uh, so you don't really see anything at all. Go ahead, Sophia. Sophia would have shared with the rest of the group the conversation that she had with Doc Quelly. Yesterday. Chad what would you tell them? That I, while recuperating with Doc Quelly, I did clue her into the fact that there could be some children in need of rescue out this way. It doesn't sound like the symptoms that they had were the plague, so that's good for us since we all came in contact with the kids that it's likely not the plague to be worried about. Um, and it sounded like maybe she was going to come and send some folks out to look for those children. They want rocks thrown at them. They can go right ahead. I kind of spun it that, you know, they could have had the plague and we're new, so we don't really know what the plague is. So it seemed like a bad idea to bring the kids into the city because we could be bringing the plague there. I don't think she bought that. So she wasn't happy then that we just left a child outside to whatever fate then. 
I mean, well, I'm not happy about it either, but I wasn't going to tell her that I wasn't happy about it. But did you mention the fact that you were almost dead and they were throwing rocks at us or anything like that? Perhaps didn't really get into the details. I don't think that really matters. No child. No, no. She had apparently found Chadwick, I think is the name of the boy that she has. She had found him out somewhere and he was biting and whatnot with her along the way. So. It's very odd that there's just random you children know, out in the wilderness where it's not safe. How are they not being mauled or killed like the people who are out in the woods who are trained to cut down trees? Maybe they come from the woods. Yeah, if you're feral, the feral kids are resourceful. Um, but speaking of Chadwick, he's drawing this creepy picture of like this giant just almost like a like an old knight where he had like a big suit of armor with spikes on his shoulders and heads on the spikes and then he smiled at me and his tongue is split in half so that's he can't really speak very well no wonder because his tongue is entirely split in half does that sound like a story anyone's heard before? Or like a No, but you know how I kept armor. trying to speak to the one that was throwing rocks at us? Yeah. And it wasn't able to really speak back. What if that one also had its tongue split? I wonder if Chadwick knows. Are they like the same age? Um, I mean, the one that threw the rock at you, we don't know for sure. Doc Quilly seemed to indicate that there aren't a lot of children here on the island? Well, I mean, there's not. You hardly see any. Chadwick was really the first one that I've seen. So we've run across one child who was brought into the town from outside, and now we've run into two feral children. Yeah. Didn't the letter say that someone took Gabriel? Didn't it say that he was taken, that they have him and no one will do anything about it? Uh, Madeline's letter? Yes. Yes. Perhaps it has something to do with that. Maybe there's another group of people out here. I mean, but my question is, if Madeline's been at the Abbey, and everybody else says that Gabriel has died, then how does she know that he's been taken, if anything, and isn't just dead? That's a fair point. Perhaps she doesn't. Perhaps she just sent that letter to see if he would come out here himself. Because she has an anger issue, according to the most recent thing we found, and maybe she wants revenge. I mean, we don't know. Uh, we, I think we just need to get there and feel her out a little bit and see. I feel like that that's a reasonable thing to do, but we want to definitely stop mentioning finding children and telling people about that. Maybe next time we find children, we should help them, and then we won't have to worry about <laughs> keeping it a secret. You know, if you if you don't help children three times in my campaign, you die. You get a you get a prize. Oh, a prize! Yeah. Death. You get brand new characters. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That's fine. All right, so we'll say that this whole time this conversation has been going on. Obviously, you've been on the road. Yeah. Um, when you have traveled for a few hours, uh, you start to see. Again, in addition to the Beerson farm, you see some other houses along the way in the distance, some near the road, some not. Any uh, people like manning mm-hmm. the farms? Yep. Yeah. You do see, you do periodically see some people 
hear the sounds of dogs barking. You know, you see, you see various like farm animals here and there, stuff like that. Like it just, as far as you could tell, it just seems like a normal situation, right? Just a normal thing. You're just kind of in the countryside. It's a little darker, a little colder. Place has a, there's like a, like a filter, like whenever you're watching a movie and like certain movies have like filters on their lenses and everything's like a little, a little darker. This is kind of like got mm-hmm. this gray filter to it. Everything just seems a little darker to it. But after a little while, you notice that there is a fairly tall structure uh, off the road to the west. About you would you probably has it about a, a mile, maybe two miles down the road, something like that. And when you get closer, you realize that it is some kind of constructed watchtower. You can see that it's got a fairly fairly simple construction. It's got probably maybe 10 to, to 12 yards off the ground in total. Uh, and there seems to be a coop set up with a small canvas that seems to be covering it, giving whoever's inside of it some kind of, of cover. Uh, it's on these four large, thick stilts made from wood. And you can see that there appears to be some kind of ladder, uh, rope ladder hanging down from the center. Uh, and when you get relatively close to the point where you might be in earshot, you hear a voice shout down to you from up on top. This, uh, this flash says, Hello there. Well, are you coming? Well, are you coming this way? Uh, we heard this is the way to the Abbey. You you heard right? You you heard right? Are you uh you pilgrims? Uh, you uh no followers. No. We're here to speak to the Stubers. Stubers. They're a new uh, pilgrim family that just uh came in off the docks a few days ago. Oh, uh, I can't say. Okay, it's fine. Uh, do you know your way around here yet? We don't. We were hoping to get some assistance. All right. All right. And then you hear him kind of muffled say something that you can't quite hear. It seems like he's talking to somebody else. And then you see uh, a young woman begin to climb down the ladder. Uh, and probably, you know, early 20s or so. She wanders over. She's like, she says, uh, I'm told I'm supposed to, to escort you. Um, if you want to follow me can show you the rest of the way excellent thank you so she just pretty quiet along the way every now and then she points to a building like and kind of very proud and you can see like scattered around like there's some grounds like you can see that there's seems to be some some fields here and there where some people are attending there also seems to be some occasionally scattered shacks and homes here and there she points them out with kind of great pride but she doesn't reach too chatty from time to time um she'll say something but overall she's really not like She's not like inquiring about you. It's more just like she's doing a very methodical by the book tour guide type of thing going on. And so she points out a couple of things. She's like, this is the Eastern Shrine over here. It's where we take morning prayer. We got an identical one on the west side so we can get the sun when it's coming down. Uh, yeah. And uh, over I'm there. I'm sorry. I didn't catch your name. Mine? Oh, I'm Heather. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And so she passes by a few other places, so she shows you some certain things. But eventually, as you're weaving down some paths, and the paths seem to actually be in the process of being paved, you see like there's some rocks along the sides that seem to delineate the difference between where a cart's supposed to go or where like the road is going to be. And 
what should be more field or what should be more grass, that kind of type of thing. And you can see that it's been somewhat plowed and worn down to the point where it's very easily noticeable. And it's actually got some decently smooth roads. Uh, it looks like these people can kind of know what they're doing. So you're in a fairly large compound and it, and it extends pretty much as far as the eye can see. Uh, you can't even really see everything to the west because eventually she says, oh, and off to the west, you can see the Western Shrine. If you can look really closely that way, you can see it. That's where we take evening prayer. Uh, and then you, you look out, you can you can barely see it. But she seems very confident that that's where it's at. Uh, but eventually you're led to what looks to be a small cluster of decently sized buildings, uh, some of which are two-story. Uh, and she points them out. She starts talking about certain ones being dormitories. And she says, this is the other one where you know, this is this is the Abbey's main home. And then... Uh, there's this other other place here. She talks about this is storage, and then okay, over here is where we take meals, and and it's all kind of very nice. And there's you probably pass a couple dozen people along the way. Some at work, some you know who are working in the fields. Others seems to be seem to be taking care of uh, various animals. Others seem to be doing kind of cleaning work of some kind, where you see that they're kind of taking care of equipment. Um, and you do actually see a couple children mm -hmm. uh, from time to time. Uh, but they, but she takes you up and you're like, you pull the cart up and next to where a handful of their carts kind of are. And she says, so who is it you were saying you were going to see again? Uh, we're looking for the Stubers. Stubers. Oh, oh, I know who you're speaking of. Uh, I'll go run and see if I can find them. So stay right here and I will be right back. And then she just like runs off. And you, you put her, she's like a college age kid. Okay. Like she's like 18 to 20, in the early 20s, somewhere in that range. Like definitely not a kid, but also not like really an adult kind of in that, that sort of mm -hmm. middling area. She's got this bright red hair. And she runs off and a couple of people pass you along the way. Everyone's very friendly and like saying, good day to you, good day, good, good day to you, good day to you. And you know, a lot of really friendly smiles, waves, all those types of things in Different, definitely a different atmosphere here than in the streets of Verdum. Do uh, any of the kids look like they're turning into snakes? No. Okay. She didn't look like she was turning into a snake. It was just <laughs> okay. like, yeah, it wasn't like I said. I specifically said it wasn't scales, like a snake scale. Yeah. Anywho, um, but after probably about a fifteen-minute wait, uh, you see coming down from the western side around what looks to be a fairly large storage building that she had pointed out earlier. Uh, you can see Carl Stuber uh, and is, in, is is following along, and you can see his little daughter, Jasmina, is kind of running along with him. Um, and he's, like, holding her hand at this point. And eventually they, they reach you, uh, and Carl recognizes you all right away, and, she's, and he's, he looks very worse for wear. Uh, when you first met him, he was very bright, mm -hmm. Just a few days ago, when you first met him in Edgar Key, he was kind of bright, upbeat. He's bringing he's bringing light to a darkened land. He's very, very proud of that. It looks like he hasn't slept. It looks like he hasn't slept for a while, and he's like very, very worried. He's a little bit short tempered. Occasionally, you see, you hear him kind of chide Jasmina a few times, like to be quiet, or you know, like he, so he he seems to be a little bit on edge. Mm -hmm. um, but nonetheless, he does try to put on a polite face. For the lot of you, uh, but you all can tell that it's very much him just being polite. And he says, um, "It's it's good to see you. Do, do you have any news?" Or? I don't. I was coming in to see if you've heard news yet of your parents. 
Um, I'm afraid not. I've every every avenue we've explored so far has proven to be futile. Uh, Abbas Bickle is unable to figure out a way in which we could go visit him. My parents, that is, both of them. She says that these things take time and that the doctor will need to do what the doctor does. And if the sun bearer is with my family, then they will be returned to us. She seems certain of her devotion, and I admire that, but nonetheless, I would feel much better if I could at least see them. So that's what we've heard in the city, too, is we went and talked with Doc Quelly, and um, there's not really a way to get in contact with Dr. Ingham. That's, that's what I've been told, that he seems to work on his own schedule, with his own agenda, and whatever this governor is that pretends to be in charge of this land doesn't seem to want to listen to the appeals of those dutiful citizens that have come to make his place more than just a penal colony. We've heard we've heard nothing back from our pleas, and we've been told don't even try to to appeal to him, so But yeah, I just wanted to check in and see how you're handling things and just wanted to let you know that we're also trying to get in contact. I appreciate uh, your concern. Um, it, I must say that meeting you and your your friends has certainly thus far been a highlight of this venture. Um, I uh, I appreciate your willingness to help out a stranger. I, I, I truly do. My uh, most of most of my group has settled in admirably and. Everyone here has been quite accommodating. It seems, honestly, a far more refined place than I had expected. I thought we might be sleeping in barns and on straw for some time, but now they have a very, very fine operation, and the abbess seems very skilled, and everything's very ordered here. Uh, But it's hard to acclimate when such a shock uh, was thrust upon me. Did you guys need any assistance with anything right now? No, no, we're settling in. We have been, uh, because we are a family, at least there's of my blood, or we have been allowed to have our own home away from the dormitories, northward. Uh, and he motions with his head kind of back the way he came. Yeah. We're on the northwestern side. We have a, a beautiful view of the western coast. Um, can see the sun setting every night and feel her warmth upon us. Uh, in time, I'm sure that will be the solace that uh, that drives me. But but now there is there's nothing that unfortunately you can do for us right now. Okay. I can tell you this, but what we found out is that people that go to that island don't come back. And he, he just sort of like, you see him just sort of slouch a little bit. Like, I'm sorry. Emily kicks Chovy's leg and makes trips him over. <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you say? We've spoken to some people. And 
They say if you go there, you don't come back. No one they know have come back. He looks very confused. He's like, I was, I was led to believe that that was not the case. That is, the people have been released from there before the abbess promised that it was certainly a possibility. Uh, You're, we're led to believe many things here, but you're waiting for a sauce to drive you. That's not going to happen. You're going to have to drive it yourself. I, I, I don't, I don't understand why. why. Did the abbess say who came back? Uh, no, I, I, I can't say I, I asked that, but she just assured me that, that if I, I continued to prayer and we held faith that uh, Sunbarrow would return our, return our family to us as they have done before. I've thought the same before, but... No god or religion is going to answer your prayers. I, he seems a little apoplectic. I beg your pardon, sir, but if your aim is to upset me further, you have succeeded. Not to upset you, but to tell you my experience. I respect that your life has been on a different path than mine, but nonetheless, the, the will of the Sunbearer is, is certain. And your your doubt is is misplaced, sir. Even in this dark hour for my family, I know at my heart that our prayers will be answered, and should the worst befall them, then I know that they will be going to the warm embrace of the bearer. I would thank you if you would not speak contrary to that in my presence, or... And at this point, he realizes that his daughter is like right next to her. And he's kind of does it almost like an earmuff. And he's like, and in, and also in the presence of my daughter, thank you very much. So it's sort of as politely as he could. He was like, fuck off. So then at this point, Emily like crouches down and she's like, Jasmina, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Have you made any friends here? Some. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've only been here like a day. That's true. This I always is... made friends pretty quick, though, when I was a kid, too. I'm a little slower. Oh, okay. Have you seen any kids out in the woods? I haven't been out in the woods. Okay, good. And honestly, the woods aren't particularly Near... close here. Okay. Remember that you guys are kind of, uh, if you recall, like this this territory is like a V, right? At least, yes. At least the part of the peninsula that you all have, have explored. And Verdum is at the point of that V, mm-hmm. and you guys have gone northwesternly up the the kind of the western coast. Now the the woods themselves are more straight north, and then they curve northwesternly. So you guys gotcha. are like so if you if you bear west along the coast, you can kind of avoid the woods for a decent amount of time. And remember that the territory itself is not even remotely fully explored, so it extends far to the north that gotcha. no one, as far as anyone knows, has has really explored. Is this place like independent from the main city? Kind of seems like they do their own thing. What do you mean independent from? Like, are the rules still apply here? Yes, they do. Yeah, if you recall when you first arrive, the guy Jonas, the one of the larger retinue from the from the governor, says that despite the fact that the monarch, the grand monarch, is a sea and mountains away, their their law still reigns here. Uh, But did say that the governor, Governor Polk. Um, 
they make the final judgment, the final call. Like they're here as a representative. So like for us, we have like the, the ruling class or the, or I should say like the ruling family, like commonly referred to as like the blood, that person, Governor Polk is a member of that. So they're like a high level of aristocracy. Gotcha. It's like, it's like the ultimate level. Like there's aristocratic class and then even above that is like the super elite, right? And that's what they have. Gotcha. So, but yeah, she says, uh, I haven't, they won't get, let me go to the woods. I've just stayed here. That's good. I would definitely stay here. There's so much to explore too. This place is so big. It is. Yeah. And then, uh, Emily kind of stands up and just kind of like pats her head. And then she looks at Carl again and she's like, uh, could you perhaps point us in the direction of where Madeline would be? Oh, I'm. I'm so sorry. Um, if you haven't, with everything that's been going on, it completely slipped oh, my you're mind. Fine. I, I, I remember now. Of course, you wanted me to inquire. I'm so sorry. I, um, Carl, it's it's totally fine. Is there somebody who I could speak to? And so, he, and so at this point, like Heather was like walking away, and he shouts her back down to come mm-hmm. back over, and she comes back. And there's a little bit of kind of annoyance to her her disposition, but it quickly fades, and she's got yeah. her normal like I'm a recruiter, like tour guide thing going on, uh, and and she agrees to go go fetch her, yeah, okay. and and asks like who should she say is who who should she say is calling? Uh, it's on behalf of her father, Master Zeiger. And so she she goes running, okay. Um, so Carl at this point is uh, ready to take his leave. He says. Uh, I must return. I have, I have things to attend to. Um, my wife is making the home ready, and and I must assist her. And uh, we are going to be teaching a class soon for some of the children. Uh, so I need to uh, take a look at the classroom and see if we have everything we need. Um, it is good to see you again. Please do not be strangers and. If there's anything you ever need, uh, you know where to find us. Do, thank you. So he nods everyone, even towards Chovy. He's very polite, um, but like he kind of says with a nice little polite nod to everybody, and then he and, and he and Jasmine go off. Uh, a few minutes later, you can see coming up Heather again, uh, and this time you see that there is a woman that is walking with her. Uh, that is. Fairly stocky. You would put her peg her probably around five foot six, five foot seven, uh, and broad shouldered. And she is bound up in a fairly tight, uh, a tight dress of some kind with what looks to be almost like a leather, leather corset or breastplate that covers and goes around it, almost like a doublet in some ways. Uh, and you can see that her hair is is very is tied very tightly back. Uh, and you can't you can't really see it just looks like it's you know it's almost like it's a, a short haircut but when she gets closer you realize that it's wound tightly underneath a braid in the back and she has a fairly stern look about her when she comes up uh, and as she's walking she walks very like kind of very properly she's got her hands folded out in front of her uh, when she's walking and periodically because you could see her coming from a decent ways away and she was coming from the larger building that uh, that was references something with the, the abbess the abbess does something there um and periodically her and Heather kind of exchange, exchange words out of reach and they're looking at you when they do this. So you clearly know that they're talking about you, which is not odd, right? But eventually uh, eventually she walks up 
Heather introduces, um, this is Sister Madeline Zyka. And uh, Madeline looks all at you and she says, I'm told you're here on behalf of my father. Yes, uh, he received your letter and sent us out to help uh, you search for your brother. Is this a good place to talk, or should we go? Very much like my father, to send someone else to do what he should have done himself. Uh, no, we can retreat to more, more uh, private, a private area. Um, uh, all of you, your number coming. And Bruno is like, I'll stay with the cart, and so the rest of you can go. Uh, and so she leads you uh, to the west a bit, to what looks to be some kind of i don't want to call it like a picnic table area but that's let's just say it's a picnic table area like it's a you can see it's some sort of outdoor place where people might sit it's not like as full and fancy as the pavilion but there's looks to be some area where people might sit around and take breakfast in the morning or take take dinner if they're not with the part of the main group and she uh she motions for you all to sit and she says did my father have the decency to send a reply with you? Uh, we inquired if he had one that he wanted to send, but he said he didn't have anything at this time. I see. Well, he... what, what are you looking to speak with me about? Do you have any idea on the best place or how it would be easiest to find where he last was? We've heard he was in the woods. Last I heard, he was... He had decided to take on contract with a independent lumbering organization, and he had chosen to stay here instead of return with me to the mainland. And from what I understand, that is how he was taken. You specify that he was taken, but everyone else is telling us that he is dead. Well, that's because they all don't understand that my brother and I share a connection. And if he were dead, I would know. We have been through very much together. We have been through the death of our mother. We have been through betrayal. We have been through imprisonment. If I... If I were certain that he was dead, I would have contacted my father and expressed such a thought. But he has been taken, and he is not the only one, I'm sure. Do you have any idea by whom he was taken? There are certain suspects, of course. There is a contingent of former... Sunbearer followers who I believe have fractured away from the Abbey and I believe that they would do nothing short of what they could to harm myself or the Abbess. I am her right hand. I hear that my brother's best friend was found dead and the Waldens use this as some sort of evidence to convince me that my brother too must be dead. And when I ask if that was the case, why was my brother's body not found alongside it? And they had no good answer. 
just baseless speculation. No, I think it is a far more a far more sinister work at play here. Something stirs to the north in the woods. And the company has been moving further and further north, despite various incidents. And I believe that there might have been something there that might have drawn him away. Do you have anyone that you trust that has any experience in the woods that could help us find where he last was? She thinks about that for a second. Um, Reinhold is uh, the most trustworthy man of any sort of survivalist skills here. I don't know the degree to which he knows about the woods, but he is quite strange man but nonetheless one who is but one who is very capable of surviving where normal trappings of civilization are unavailable from what I understand he was one of the first to align with the abyss when the schism occurred he also I know is quite adept at handling all of our various animals I'm not too familiar with uh, the way an abbey works, but you said that there's some kind of schism. What happened? I mean, you believe in the same God, so what would cause such a problem? It was, as far as I understand it, a disagreement over the direction of our abbey between the former friar and our current abbey. Excuse me, our current abbess. I would be surprised, I suppose, but not shocked. I fear that there are more direct ways that they could have hurt us, but it is certainly possible. You said you wanted to leave? Of course I wanted to leave. She gets very, like, she, like, snaps at you. She looks at you like you're a like an idiot for even suggesting otherwise. I don't otherwise. mean to offend, but you seem to be doing fairly well. If you are the right hand or of the person in charge. You might not mean to offend, but I do. If you think living in the middle of nowhere is doing well, then you are a fool, sir. This is not a place I will die. She takes a look around. I have made the best of my situation, yes, but that does not mean I have accepted this as permanence. We will do our best to find your brother and bring him back so you can leave then. At least someone is doing their best. My father couldn't even be bothered to leave his posh home. I don't know much about him, but he didn't seem to be able to get around very well. It's his, it's his son. It's his only son. As long as he could walk, he should be here. Do you have children, sir? I do not. And you do not understand. It might not be much, but he didn't leave this illustration of the sun symbol passed down for your mother. 
So you, you hand it like the, so what is it? What was it again? Just it was letter, a, I don't think everybody else knows. So. Yeah. So it was a small wood carved token of the sun bear symbol. And it, it was uh, in the, the box that Sager mm-hmm. gave us. And it was, it was a thing passed down by his wife. So they're her mom. So she grabs it from you. She looks at it. My mother was a wonderful woman. It's, it hurt me to know that my brother would never be able to meet her. She was a wonderful woman who did not deserve the man that she married. You might know him to be sickly or old or kind or whatever it is you think of him, but he is nothing if not manipulative. And this here is just another form of his manipulation, and she hands it back to you. So we're looking ahead in the woods. How soon can Reinhold help us out? I don't know that he can help you out. You just asked if there was anyone who was familiar with it. He has duties to attend here. He might perhaps give you advice or some such, but he did. He did, as a personal favor for me, investigate a little bit when my brother went missing. He showed me the site where they found the other bodies. I tell you, there were, I believe, eight, perhaps ten, I can't remember the number, but you don't find it odd that there were so many, but not my brothers, how selective it suddenly was. That is very odd. At least we agree on that. Sophia will pipe up and ask, did you ask the PHC for their official report to see if there was any details that could be gleaned from that? Yes, I did. Do you have a copy? I do. In my chambers. I'll fetch it for you later. Much appreciated. If you think it will be of service. Occasionally there are some little bits of truth, even in lies, that could be helpful. Do you have experience with missing persons? Have you experienced tracking? Please tell me my father at least hired the best. Well, I am a bit of a scout, so... I don't know about the tracking, but the scouting. She looks you kind of up and down. And you get a sense that she is not comforted. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she just lets out a sigh. I don't think he had enough money to hire the best that you mm-hmm. speak of. His home was quite barren. Which one? The only he one he several. lived in. <laughs> he has several. Not anymore from what we understand. Oh, so my father is once again playing the victim card again. How wonderful for him. Once again, it is him that was victimized, not my brother and I who have been in this hellhole for years, but him who got to live in society still, who got to live with a roof over their head, who got to live in society, who could go down the street to the market and buy a good meal and didn't have to pull it out of the ground like some low-born scum. But you're still alive, aren't you? That's but what from, he wants. But from what I hear, it's possible that my, my brother is not. From what you tell us, he is. That is my belief. You speak great, greatly about your mother. What happened to her? 
she died in childbirth with Gabriel. Just wondering if it related to this family situation. That was nearly 30 years ago. What would that have anything to do with this? Is there anybody who you think would consider an enemy of Gavril? No, my brother was a kind Sorry, my brother is a kind man. He only wanted to please. That might, of course, have been part of his downfall. It's possible I might have taken advantage of that at times, but he was a good, he is a good man. I have never seen nor heard anyone in all our years have any sort of conflict with him, save those that he and I both chose. From what I understand, he was thought of highly by those he worked with, and even the warden spoke of his good behavior. Why did you and Gabriel decide to separate? Life for a woman in the prison is not as comfortable as it is here. I understand. Did you attempt to have your brother come serve with you here in the Abbey? He is not a devout man. He... He never quite accepted the sun-bearer into his heart. He was always willing to listen, to attend lectures, mass, but I know he did this purely because he knows that it was what I wanted for him, not what he wanted. So he could be easily influenced, but at the end of the day he was still his own man and made his own choices. He was easily influenced by some, myself, in our early years, my father. But strangers... If you're thinking that perhaps a stranger rolled by in a carriage and offered him a lollipop, I can assure you that is not the case here. There is evil afoot. I'm certain of it. On our way here, uh, we were doing an errand for Loudon. Doesn't seem to recognize the name. Uh, he works at a halfway house, and we stopped at the Pearson's farm. Um, the name sounds familiar. Um, we discovered that they were also missing. Have you, perhaps, aside from Gabriel, heard of anyone else going missing? From time to time, yes. It's not uncommon to lose people. Usually, however, not from their homes. So she kind of like. Her eye, eyebrows kind of furrow a little bit. The Pearsons are not there. It looked as if they had left. You know, they had food sitting out that they just kind of vanished. Curious. 
I have heard plenty of stories of those exploring further northward, never returning. Those that do are different somehow. I have heard stories of those who wandered off in the middle of night while in the woods, never to return. And I have heard those get lost in the caves of the Fairrock Mountains, but I do not know whether or not they are in any way tied to the disappearance of my brother. I can tell you with great certainty that I know it. We are not twins. You've heard stories, of course, of connection siblings can have with one another, a way for its closeness. And growing up, my father was rarely around. My father blamed Gabriel for many years for the death of my mother. Maybe I did as well, but it was unfair, and I, once my maturity allowed me to, I pushed the thought from my head. My brother knew that as well, knew that my father bore him some sort of ill feelings. But Gabriel didn't retreat from it. Instead, he, he faced it. He doted on our father. He was at my father's side. Day and night, he would go to the shipyards, follow him to work. He would bring him charcoal sketchings of ships that he had designed with far too many sails. It was ludicrous, would never sail, of course, but he would bring it to him, and my father would look at it and dismiss it. It's just some ramblings, but Gabriel was persistent. He worked for him when he was a teen, helped build boats, learned a bit how to sail. We both did, of course. It's the family business. And eventually, and eventually, my father softened, but it shouldn't have taken as long as it did. It's ridiculous. My father could hold such a grudge against a poor boy who did nothing but just be born. Now, and now when my brother needs my father's influence and power the most, my father is not here. My father sends you. I do not mean to demean your attempts to assist us. In fact, I'm grateful. I'm sorry if my countenance suggests otherwise, but it is a great disappointment that the cavalry did not come with you. I think we understand your resentment there. Thank you. There's nothing more I could fetch the report for you. And I will send for Reinhold. Thank you. Thank you. She gets up and she she wanders away. That same, I like she's got perfect posture. She walks away as if as if nothing just happened. Can as I? If, 
Can I uh, perfect poker face? Kind of see if it looks like she has some sort of military training based on the way she's walking. Uh, I mean, from your knowledge, you know that she does not. Like I would say, from what you have learned about her, you don't even have to roll anything. You would know that that she has no. She neither of them have officially ever been part of any sort of military organization. Harold was, but he, but the two of them, the children have not. So as you are waiting, uh, you can see that work goes on. Uh, there, you can't tell exactly how many people are here, but there's a decent amount. Everyone seems fairly friendly. Uh, and after some time, that red-haired woman gets <laughs> chased over towards you again, carrying a document she hands over to you. you. Take a look at it, and there's nothing in here that stands out, nothing in here that would alarm you. Um, scrutinizing it a little bit, it just seems to detail very basic facts of the dates that he was assigned to work, who his who his foreman was, for a woman, in fact, uh, who some of the other crew were, what happened, like how long into their to their shift, into their their run, that this incident happened. It seems to describe him voluntarily leaving the camp, which is not a surprise. You've already learned this as well. Him and and some others voluntarily leaving the camp one night without telling anybody the foreman attests to that on here. And you can see a signature from Aubrey Hogg. And then the also details the finding of several bodies, uh, but Gabriel's was not among them. And then as you're perusing that for a little while, you kind of flip through it. It's a few pages long. You see it, a, a man start wandering over in your direction, waving at you from afar. You look at them. He seems to be, Middle-aged, maybe nearing the latter half of his life for sure. Uh, you can see he's got this, what looks to be some sort of animal skin cap, almost like a Davy Crockett type kind of wandering up. And you can see pretty much everything he's got, he's wearing is is probably, he probably made it himself type of thing. Uh, but he wanders up to you and uh, takes his hat off uh, and leans forward, like one, does one of those like, picks his, like the Commander Riker stuff where he like picks his knee up and puts it on the bench and he kind of leans forward and he says, oh, you all want to talk to me? That's right. <laughs> Are you... Um, Reinhold? Reinhold. Unless you want to talk to someone else. No, we heard you uh, investigated on Gabriel's uh, disappearance. Merlin's mm, brother, yeah, did that. All of it. Anything come up when you're looking around? Uh, what did I come up? Oh, what? Like any clues to where he could have ran off to? I don't know. He didn't run off. What's that? His body wasn't there. All their mothers were. They were torn up something good. Whatever it was. Well, I didn't see this one. Didn't see any trails leading away. No reason to suspect that he got dragged. Maybe he got house out eating. But that seems inconsistent. Some of them chaps over by PHC tried to say it was wild animals. Just gnawing away at them. That's pretty strange. Peculiar if you ask me when none of their mothers seem to have been gnawed on. None of their mothers seem to be eating. Why do you think wild animal just going to suddenly leave this 
his beautiful buffet of food. I don't think they would. You know animals would do that? I don't. And I know animals. Yes, me. Tell you one of them among them. I don't know where he's at. Couldn't find no tricks. You think Gabriel did it? You think Gabriel killed like seven other people? Nah. Nah, I don't think so. It's not what I heard about him. Uh, he's a good lad. Why would he want to do that? Can't think of a reason. Then he must not have, huh? Would you be able to take us to where that happened? I could. I could. If I can get leave. If I can get paid. We can pay you. Can you now? I haven't even told you my fee. We can pay you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mental now. Just quadruple my fee. Then <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> it's too late. Too late, Derry. It's quadruple. I'll speak with the Abyss. See if I can get some leave. I'm sure it won't be a problem. Get one of them new fellows to wash the wash the goats for me. Why you won't go out there anyway? We getting paid for this? Yeah, we're getting paid. You getting paid well? We don't know until we complete the job. Hmm. Metal now. My fee just doubled again. <laughs> I can do this all day. My father used to tell me something. He says, Ron Hope, you got to know your worth. And right now, I feel like my worth to you is quite significant, wouldn't you say? And he gets up. Stands up, fixes his cap on his head. Roll, I'll go see you about getting that leave. And he wanders off. I'm gonna like I'm gonna like him. I'm gonna like playing him. <laughs> I'm gonna like playing him a lot. He's my kind of guy. Okay. So now that you've kind of done what you're going to do, like it's getting middle afternoon at this point. Like mm-hmm. the chances of you leaving tonight are probably not a great idea. So as the day progresses, you maybe tour around the ground some more, inquire about finding some place. This probably set up some small camp over by the Stuber family's household. They're more than welcome to probably put one or two of you up inside and the rest of you can probably stay outside just fine. Um, you, Some of you might attend evening prayer, uh, which there seem to be two shrines set up, one on the eastern side by the road by this copse of trees, one on the west that overlooks the cliffs looking down several several yards, several, probably about 200 yards, 300 yards above the water. Like There's this huge drop-off, and you can see down there the swirling waves and stuff if you look down. And if you do attend it, you notice the abyss, Jan Vickle. I want to go to the one that's next to the ocean. Well, that's the only one that's actually having, like yeah. they, they have them in different yeah. places. So like the, the morning prayers on the east side and then evening prayers on the west. So when you head there, you can see that many people have grouped up. You can see that there is this uh, kind of opening in a, like a half like a half covered roof. There's just a, a decent building, well constructed, uh, no closed doors, just open archways in and out. 
and kind of a half roof. And the roof itself is only like the, the seated part where people are seated in rows and pews. And then there's a, a raised altar on the Western side and an open ceiling through which the sun just beams like the last final light into it. And you see this, this older woman in these, these dark, dark robes with this glittering silvery breastplate over top of it. And almost like some kind of, some kind of like dressy chain mail hanging down. She looks like she would be going to war in some way. Like she just comes out in this, this getup that is, seems to be entirely peculiar to watch it. But if any of you, if any of you were followers or know anything about sun bears, it's, it's kind of one of those, one of those outfits that they might wear. And she steps up onto this altar and leads this, this prayer and everyone lingers the whole time. Uh, chatting to one another, you see the Stuber family and you can see that there's not enough pews and not enough seats for everybody. And then slowly one by one, like everyone starts showing up. Like they're spilling out the sides. They're going to need to build a bigger place. Start counting. There's gotta be a um, hundred people here. Maybe, maybe a little more. She just leads them in some basic prayer. And after a while, it's just silence as everyone looks out the roof and watches the sun go down behind the clouds down below the cliff until darkness comes and people slowly depart. Hey everybody, it's Melissa. Thank you so much for listening to episode number 13 of the Adventures in Lollygagging podcast. Hopefully by now you've heard that we're doing a little Twitter giveaway. We have an extra copy of the revised core rulebook for Zweihander RPG, and we're happy to give that copy away to a loyal listener of our podcast. Like and retweet the announcement post by next Monday, October 14th to be entered to win. You can also check out our website, thelollygaggers.com, And in the show notes, there's a link to the wiki for our campaign if you want to check out information on player characters and PCs and where we've been so far. You can also follow me on Twitter at Melazera, that's with a Z. As always, we appreciate subscriptions, likes, and follows to our Adventures in Lollygagging podcast. Hope everyone has a fantastic week and check back in with us next Monday for our next episode. (laughs) 